0: Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. This concept is founded on love and justice for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible.
1: Welcome back and Merry Christmas. We're just a few days away from Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love this time to just look back and reflect on all the great things that uh, we've been blessed with this year. And so, one of the things I've been so blessed with through this podcast, through my research, and through the book that comes out January 12th, just teaching feedback engagement and well-being for each student is that we've been able to elevate stories of growth and improvement and flourishing in school communities where typically those stories are not told and so just this last weekend I got to celebrate with 27 amazing educators from across the country who earned their master's degree from Baylor University in the MA in school leadership. Uh, just an amazing group of educators from 10 different states. All were down here in Waco celebrating that graduation, and it was an amazing blessing. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce you to one of those people that is one of the stories that really blessed me in this last year. And that's Heather Williams. She's an award-winning administrator in Arkansas. She's part of our executive EDD program here at Baylor. And What I love about her story is it's not anything that contributes to a savior complex that in any way she believes that she's saving kids, but she's building her community because of what she believes about the kids that she serves, that they are created beings, that she's helping them become more who they're created to be by walking alongside them and building her community. She said after our podcast was over, when we were recording the interview, that There are so many schools that could tell this same story, and that work is happening every day in schools, and it's such a blessing for me, and this is what I I think at the end of the year I'm so thrilled about in my job is that I get to, through my research, elevate stories of this kind of growth and improvement that I think can become a roadmap for others to follow, and it's just an encouragement to me to hear these stories. And so, in my writing, the research, and my teaching, I feel like it's my job to just continue to elevate these kinds of amazing stories by just asking questions. So, I really hope you enjoy this interview with Heather Williams. Welcome back to Just Schools. I'm John Eckert and I'm here today with Heather Williams, the 2021 Assistant Principal of the Year in Arkansas. She's a phenomenal educator, got to know her in our doctoral program here at Baylor University. And she wrote a case study for one of my classes about one of her students and the interaction that she had had and the way her system uh, came around this student. And it made a perfect fit for chapter three of the book, which is Humans Before Outcomes. And so, in schools that put humans first uh, there're places where teachers and administrators tell students who they see them becoming, not who they want them to be, but who they see them becoming, they are themselves every day. They connect with strangers. They focus on skills and giving students a shot and how to build that kind of scrappiness that gets kids where they need to be. And they invite improvement in meaningful ways. But that starts with seeing real kids. So Heather, thanks for being with us today. And I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the story that you shared with me. So for people that haven't read the book, it would be good to give them the background of that and how you came to see this student as a human before you started worrying anything about academic outcomes.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you again for um, just taking the time to dig a little deeper into the story. Um, I will say, you know, this story, while, you know, it, it's a story and it's, it was real um, and it's a, it's a real kiddo, it's It's symbolic, I guess, of so many kids that I think we do come across. You know, I mean, he, this is one, one kiddo, but it is really representative of so many kiddos that I think are in classrooms today. Um, and, you know, uh, stories in which teachers are doing this on a daily basis and digging deep into the why behind, um, our kids' actions and behaviors. But in this situation, in this specific story, um, DeAndre, he was a he was a five year old boy. He uh, I was a principal at the time. It was a kindergarten through second grade school um, to set the context for this school. Um, every student that was in this school has had their education interrupted by covid to some degree. So layer on top of, you know, other trauma that these babies had experienced, every student in that school had had their education interrupted um, but for this specific kiddo, you know, he started the school year um, a couple weeks late. Um, I'll, I'll never forget his mom bringing him into the office and um, getting to meet him. Um, he is a young black male Um, his the first week or so what we ended up experiencing, you know, we we didn't know a lot about his story. Um, what we began to see were behaviors and we began to see behaviors escalate. Um, it, it led to, you know, um, really unsafe behaviors for himself and others, including throwing I- items in the classroom, um, you know, pushing over tables, things like that, very disruptive and and um, really dysregulated behavior. And so, of course, at that time, you know, a lot of times you see the behaviors, but of course, teachers do such a good job at this and they try to figure out the why. So why is this happening? Right. Um, we knew we had to figure out what the solution was um, to ensure that he was safe and to ensure that he was successful. He was loved and then engaged within our school. Um we we connected with mom, of course, first to try to reach out to learn a little bit more about this baby. And in this situation, you know, um, a lot of times I as principal, I really try to dig deep to um to connect with parents in a way that's that's personal, that's relatable to just just to build those connections right and so in, in, in building this relationship with mom, um, we realized that she actually had had, um, she just got her kiddos back from our um, CPS, our Child Protective Services. Um, and, and there was just a lot of need there. And so one of the things that I have to say that's the biggest advice for for you know administrators and for teachers is to utilize the resources that we have within our community as well. I mean this I try to tell people this isn't just my school. It's not the school that my kid goes to, but it's our school. And so it's it's connecting um it's connecting our families with resources within the communities. Um, and so through this process we had connected mom with the Child Advocacy Center and were able to kind of get the resources that were needed. Um, but to go to your point, you know, um, the humans before outcomes, when we were able to start tracking data and, you know, we think about data as like this academic piece, right? But we were trying to just track like what's ha- what's going on? What are these behaviors indicative of? Are there specific triggers? Are we noticing that at certain times of day? Um, what's the underlying reason for why these behaviors are happening? And so as we track data, we were able to identify trends and behaviors and in triggers to determine what kind of the why behind it, right? And so, I mean, gosh, it went back to, um, we realized that there was a time of day that, that he was just tired, you know, and he, so we, we, we put into place naps for him, <laughs> um, you know, because that's what he needed at that time. And so it's figuring out what kids need at that time to help them be successful. And instead of just, just focusing solely on academics, which, you know, that could be that that's not going to get you the results that you need at that time because that's not what that kid needed we had to focus on that kid's well-being we had to focus in on on um, what they needed and at that point in time it was looking at okay he needed a nap time we were able to give him some um, support through some um you know just some through our counseling services things of that and then as a result we began to see his engagement increase and we really saw a, a decrease in our, um, and the discipline referrals to and the behaviors that he was exhibiting. I will say another point of this is that we worked really co- like as a team on this. And I can't, I cannot say enough how important it is. Um, you know, the, his teacher, she was fantastic, but I'll be honest at the beginning and she would admit this, she was tired. You know, she was lost. She was trying to figure out what do I do? And so as a result, we all came together to help this kiddo. And in the end, um, his teacher, his teacher was, was, was so excited and it really rejuvenated her too, to be able to meet the needs of this kiddo because in the end, they all reached the benefit, right? I mean, his needs were met, her needs were met, and in the end, um, we were able to see success, uh, with that specific student and then the academics came, right? And so, Again, it's just one story, but it's so indicative of so many of so many kiddos we see today that there's this underlying trauma or there's these underlying reasons why. And if we don't get to that why, then oftentimes we sit here, you know. I've just seen it a lot of times, like the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But it's, you know, teachers are so great about figuring out the why of of what these kids needs and supporting kids needs. And then from there, we reap the benefit um, in other aspects, if that makes sense
1: well yeah that's so helpful and and I may have missed it in your story because I was reading along as you were as you were sharing but uh in the in the book, you mentioned that deandre's father had been killed in the homicide, and DeAndre had witnessed it and mm-hmm. so uh, everything you already laid out there were layers of trauma you already described, and then there's unthinkable trauma mm-hmm. that you described there, and the fact is, you said most teachers that, you know, in your building, they're good at searching for the why. And I think that is true for good educators and good systems that happens. But I think for a lot of educators that are tired, exhausted, kind of worn down by the job, sometimes we forget that there's this deeper why. And so however you you view that student and the way they're manifesting behaviors in the class, if you know what's behind it, it not only helps you know how to start moving them in a more positive direction, but it also allows you to extend grace and love and compassion in that you don't lower standards for the, the student. You give the student what they need. So you mentioned naps. You also mentioned in the chapter that you made sure that uh, he was going home with uh, food and groceries when needed, because uh, the, in the book, just teaching, we say there's three parts of teaching feedback, engagement, and well-being. We say them in that order because it's FEW is the acronym FEW, but really the foundation is well-being. Mm-hmm. And so what I think you all did so well, and you can speak more to this specific case and then maybe to other cases, but you uh, addressed well-being first, and then you figured out how to engage and then you were able to give feedback for how to keep growing. And that became the word you used was it rejuvenated the teacher in the classroom. So talk a little bit about the joy that you have in coming alongside kids that are unbelievably resilient, who make it to class every day. And we get to work with because to me, that's the magic of what happens in school. So could you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah so and i also want to add to um that it's about the culture right it's about the culture of the building whenever we talk about um you know looking at meeting the needs of our students first because ultimately um you know we get like our purpose our purpose is is to educate right i mean that is that is the system that we that we have However, just like I think about it with academics, like through the lens of academics, we have, you know, students that may struggle academically, we put these systems in place to support those students academically, whether it be through our response intervention or, you know, MTSS systems, we put these systems in place to support the areas of deficit that are needed for these specific students. We've got to look at how we can do that holistically, right? Like how we can take kind of our frame of thinking and expand it to what you just said earlier about the the well-being piece of how can we meet these kids' needs because again, if there are areas of deficit, if it's foundational uh, things that that the kiddo needs, in order to be successful you know how can we build a culture in a school that's going to support the needs of our students and then as a result like you said i mean that you're you're going to see the results of it man i mean my t- my I, I just remember this teacher and she came up to me the the teacher of this specific kiddo Um, just with tears in her eyes, because she was like, I didn't think that I was going to be able to make it. Because like you said, she was tired, and she was exhausted. And these kiddos, man, they can be tough. Like, I mean, let's just be real. Um, But being able to see this baby through the lens of okay, like, through growth, like seeing that that student's growth, and then seeing, like you said, the layers of trauma and and, and the success the, the the little wins that we're able to see, like that makes teaching worth it. You know what I mean? Like that's what makes it worth it. And so I um, I see this across and and I apologize if I'm not answering your question exactly, but I see this across the board in all areas. Like meeting the kids' needs, it it, it just it brings it brings real it brings just reality to 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 what we say we're about, you know, talk about our vision, mission, things like that. But this is like the reality of it, you know, meeting kids' needs and the joy of that. And um that's why we do what we do. And so um again, I apologize if I didn't answer your question, but I just think it's so important to talk about that culture piece of the building and, you know, taking hey, this is who we say we are, but actually living it out and addressing the needs of students, not just academically, but identifying those areas of deficit, whether it be behaviorally or social emotionally and meeting those needs.
1: Well, and and I think um, it's the lived mission that struck me that it's not a bunch of words. It's the way you live things out. And and you just mentioned the word deficit, but what I, I hear you seeing in your students are the assets that they bring and that they bring so much that is life-giving to the educators that get to work with them. So in the story, the way you wrote it up and the way it showed up in the book, it's clear that you're not in some type of savior complex, that you're there... Mm-hmm to save kids from really um, traumatic experiences, which is the, the, the traumatic experiences are real, but what I see you doing is catalyzing their growth. You're coming alongside them, giving them the resources and tools that they need to be successful, and then you're allowing them to lead in these ways that lead to flourishing for staff members. And so to me, when we're dealing with all the things, I mean, we you know, you see study after study coming out post-COVID that we have higher levels of isolation, there are higher levels of depression, there are increasing levels of instability. So the, the protective factors that schools can provide are real. And I see you doing those, but I see you doing it in a way that is culture building. And you said in your first answer about how you brought resources together around your kids which is part of the culture building that you just described in the second component so can you talk a little bit more about some of the resources you're able to tap in your community in Arkansas uh, whether it's within your staff within your district or beyond that you see really feeding that well-being for your kids
0: absolutely so to start though i think the most important thing is the you know building those relationships with those that are in the community um that that has to be priority. Um, you know, I'm in a new position now at a middle school. And one of the first things that I did is start a relationship, you know, building uh, times just to talk. And as a result, you know, you're able to kind of make those connections, right. And you're able to build those relationships. And so, um, from there, any needs that we've had, for example, we just had a situation recently where um, one of our staff members houses had burned down. And I mean, in that moment, uh, they've got kids in our in our school. Um, in that moment, we're immediately able to reach out to local churches. Number one, that's been a huge uh, support to us. And then also to local outreach centers to um, coordinate care and support just for for our own member of our our team. Um, And that's been incredible. But I think it's just knowing what resources are available. Um, You know, we've got, again, our mental health um, resources that we're able to connect with, um, advocacy centers that have been incredible with the support that they provided. You know, 99% of the time I found, really, I would say 100% of the time, I found that People are so willing to help. They just need to, they just want to be asked, you know, and, and, and have that relationship. And that's been something that's been really big to us is just having that, com- you know, that connection with the community in a way that this is, again, not just my school, but it's our school. And so with that vision and with that, um, with, with that I guess communication our, dist- our, our our community has been so supportive of all that we've done and we've been able to make those connections to meet the needs of our students and our staff
1: well, that's great uh, and one of your colleagues uh, Sierra Nickerson who is at Baylor as well talks about the kind of social capital and connectivity that she creates so if she has friends they just count on being tapped to yep. help serve her 100%. students. And I feel like that's a classic hallmark for great leaders that they're always connecting other people to the resources that they need. Um, And so it becomes this mutually reinforcing cycle of good. So if you had 30 seconds, let's say you have 30 seconds to give uh, a word of wisdom or encouragement to educators right now about putting humans before outcomes, uh, what would be your 30 second wrap up to them?
0: Oh, man, I would just say relationships, 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 you know, community, building community among your school, that right there is going to make such an impact in your outcomes. Um, I think too many times we get so driven by outcomes that we forget um the how, you know, how to get there, and the how is not just i mean it, the how, I should say is. Through relationships, through building community and through, through your people and taking care of your people. And that's, that's your kids, your adults, um, across the board. And, and we do that through relationships. And so you can't negate the power of relationships here in education.
1: Uh, we end chapter three with celebrating struggle, growth, and flourishing. And you do that best when it's in relationship because that's where you see that kind of growth and where you can really applaud and encourage the struggle that we all face. So, Heather, thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Heather. I always enjoy hearing from Heather and from leaders like her. If you're interested in becoming more connected to leaders like Heather through our executive EDD program at Baylor, please look at the Baylor Department of Educational Leadership, the EDD uh, in Educational Leadership, as well as the MA in School Leadership at Baylor. We are growing cohorts of amazing, like minded leaders who believe that there is hope for our country, hope for the world, and that as people who are called to this work, that we can come alongside others who do that and do that better. So I hope that as you head into Christmas that you have a great time with friends and family, that you're able to celebrate uh, what you've seen done in your lives, and that you move into next year with the hope that comes from being grounded in something more than just our performance. And I just pray that you would be well, that you would engage others well, and that you would continue to grow in the feedback from other professionals and from the students that we get to serve. I just pray that you have a, a blessed time this Christmas. Merry Christmas.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership. Watch for Dr. John Eckert's first book in the series starting in January 2023.